If you're hearing this, you have stumbled across Murder Bucket, the true crime podcast with me, Hannah Palmer. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome to another glorious Tuesday. If you can't tell, I have a slight cold, so tonight's episode is going to sound just a little different. And I hope you can excuse that, because tonight's episode is going to be very exciting, super interesting, because we haven't done very many paranormal stories. Really, kind of the first paranormal stories that we did was last week's episode, so I decided to kind of keep the theme, and tonight we are going to be talking about the Bourbon Orleans Hotel in New Orleans, Louisiana. But as always, let's quickly do our week-slash-weekend recap. The only real interesting thing that went on last week was I got my hair colored, which is the first time in probably seven or eight years. So it's a little bit of like an auburn brown, and if you haven't seen any pictures of me recently, I normally have really dark brown hair, so this is a little bit of a change. Saturday morning, I met one of my friends, Taylor, with her daughter at the Wiggle Room, which I'm sure I've mentioned before is like this big indoor like play area for little kids, and we were there from about 9 o'clock until they closed at 11.30. And then came home, husband and I and our daughter went to Target, and then my husband and a bunch of his guy friends went out to dinner Saturday night. So I went out with all of their spouses on Saturday night as well, and had just an ever so slight mishap, which I'm still kind of dealing with today. So if most of you don't know, I am a pescatarian, which means... I only eat fish. I don't eat any other kind of meat. And the reason for this is about seven years ago, I saw like a horrendous video on Facebook, of course, about how they kill chickens. So I decided I couldn't eat them anymore. And we really didn't eat much of anything else at home. So I just gave everything up. And turns out I had been diagnosed with Crohn's back in 2009. And my Crohn's was like really bad. I was sick all the time. And it turns out giving up all of this stuff pretty much put my Crohn's in remission to where I don't have to take medicine. I don't have to do colonoscopies. So I just stick with it. So the mishap that we had was we went to a Vietnamese restaurant, which I've been to before. So I know the food that they have there and I know that I can eat the food. But one of the appetizers that one of the girls ordered, she thought was going to be a crab wonton. So I ate half of it until we realized that it was a chicken wonton. And you guessed it, lots of stomach issues for the rest of the evening into Sunday and still kind of happening today. And now I have this glorious cold. 
Sunday was then Palm Sunday at church. We went out to lunch with a couple of friends. I ended up coming home with my daughter uh, just to kind of do things around the house. But it turned into like one long nap session because I ended up with a migraine for the rest of the afternoon. My husband went over to our friend's house to go help them move a couple of things in their house um, that were too heavy for one person to move. Work Monday was completely fine. And now you're here with me and it's Tuesday and we are going to talk about ghosts. The Bourbon Orleans Hotel. The Bourbon Orleans wasn't built with the intentions of using it as a hotel, but instead a theater. In 1806, Louis Tabary, a refugee from the French colony of Haiti, drew up the plans and construction began. During the War of 1812, construction halted and it was finally finished in October of 1815. Unfortunately, soon after it opened, a fire broke out and destroyed the entire building. It was then rebuilt by John Davis and reopened in 1819. At the time, it cost John $180,000 to rebuild. The new theater had well over 1,300 seats. Between 1818 and 1837, the theater presented 140 operas, which included 52 American premieres. White patrons could reserve floor seats for $80 a season. Free people of color could reserve balcony seats for $50 a season. Unreserved seats could be purchased for a dollar. In 1817, John began working with architect William Brand to design the Orleans Ballroom next to the theater. The ballroom held many subscription balls, carnival balls, and masquerades, as well as catered to the most select of New Orleans society. The ballroom also included several gambling rooms. The famous New Orleans Quadwin Balls were held here sometimes. During this event, wealthy, respectable Creole gentlemen would court young, mixed-race women. There were many duels fought over those so-called quadrant mistresses. Because of the hot climate in New Orleans, performances could only be held during autumn and spring. That meant that during the summer months, there was no income, so John had to think of something to do to continue to make money. In 1827, he took the company on six tours to Boston, New York, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. This brought national recognition to the theater. The theater soon became part of a rivalry with the Camp Street Theater that was run by James Caldwell. They mainly focused on operas performed in English. In 1835, both theaters performed Meyer Bear's Robert Lee Diablo. They believed that Orleans Theater's version was closer to both the singing and the staging demands of the opera because it was performed in French rather than in English. In 1837, John's son Pierre took over as director. During his time there, he hired Julia Cole. She performed in the American premiere of Halvey's Leclerc, Anne de Bolin, Don Pasquale, and Les Huguenots. The rivalry between James Caldwell's two theaters ended when both his theaters were destroyed by a fire in 1842. This opened the way for Orleans Theater to enter a period of dominance in New Orleans' cultural life. In 1843 to 1845, the company performed in the Northeast. 
1853, Charles Bottescu succeeded as director. He was the husband of Julie Calve. He began to stage more American premieres and featured international stars like Henrietta Sontag and Armenia Fresolini. Unfortunately, in 1859, the Orleans Theater was superseded by the French Opera House, which was built by Charles himself after he had a fight with the owner. In 1866, the theater was destroyed by a fire, but somehow the ballroom survived. It sat empty for several years until it was purchased in 1873 by Tommy Laffin. In 1881, it became a convent for the Sisters of the Holy Family. They established St. Mary's Academy. This was the first secondary school for black girls in the city. They also opened an orphanage called St. John Bertram's Asylum. The Sisters of the Holy Family were a Catholic religious order of African-American nuns based in New Orleans. They were founded in 1837 as the Congregation of the Sisters of the Presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary by Henrietta de Lille. They changed their name in 1842. They were one of two black religious orders in the United States at the time. The other was Mother Mary Lang's Oblate Sisters of Providence. The old ballroom became their chapel. In an article on wikipedia.com, while a sister was showing a visitor the ballroom, she stated this, This is the old Orleans ballroom. They say it is the best dancing floor in the world. It is made of three thickness of cypress. That is the balcony where the ladies and gentlemen used to promenade. And down there, on the banquet, the bows used to fight duels. By 1960, the Sisters of the Holy Family had well over 400 nuns at their convent and outgrew their current location. They remained at this location for more than 80 years until they were able to purchase land on Chief Mentor Highway in 1962, where they still operate today. The Bourbon Kings Hotel Corporation bought the property from the Sisters of the Holy Family and spent over $7 million to restore the ballroom as well as build a new building on the site where the orphanage once sat. Because the building that housed the convent is one of the most historically valuable buildings of the French Quarter, the proposal to restore it garnered so much attention from preservationists and the city. The approval of the hotel development was contingent on the restoration of the historic New Orleans ballroom. The old ballroom was converted to the lobby, dining room, and bar. During the grand opening on July 18, 1966, the then-mayor, Victor Shiro, upheld the in-keeping tradition of tossing a brass key as a symbol of hospitality, and Reverend Nicholas Tanzakovic provided the blessing. The Bourbon Orleans Hotel has 218 rooms with some overlooking Bourbon Street and Orleans Avenue. They offer a heated outdoor saltwater pool in the interior courtyard, as well as the row on Orleans Restaurant and complimentary welcome cocktails at the Bourbon O Jazz Bar. While staying there, you can enjoy live music at Preservation Hall, take photos at Jackson Square and the French Market, as well as enjoy carriage rides. Now we both know you aren't here to learn the amenities you can enjoy while staying at Bourbon Orleans Hotel. Instead, 
I'm sure you're more interested in learning about all the paranormal things that people have witnessed while either exploring, working, or staying here. So let's get into it. According to hauntednation.blogspot.com, the Bourbon Orleans is considered to be one of the most haunted hotels in New Orleans. There is an estimate of between 15 to 20 different spirits, all from different eras that still reside here. So let's talk about a few. In 2014, the Bourbon Orleans hosted its second annual ghost camp in September. Mark Lavlil, a member of the New Orleans Ghost Hunters and policeman in Mississippi, states this in an article on TheAdvocate.com. Investigating the Bourbon Orleans is difficult because you are looking at such a large range of history. We are talking about parties, dances, people falling in love, and then the orphanage. Totally separate emotions, so it's hard to know what you're looking for to try to make a connection. We don't go in there to prove that something exists. We go in there to prove that a ghost or an apparition doesn't exist. We try to come up with a logical explanation for it. In the same article, Casey Crouch, a former assistant manager of a hardware store in Covington, attended the first ghost camp and was eager to learn more about techniques, equipment, and how to sniff out paranormal activity. He is quoted saying, Last year in the ballroom, we caught an apparition on two separate mediums, video, and photography. We all felt it in that room that night. During the ghost camp, everyone in attendance will work with the New Orleans ghost hunters to investigate paranormal activity on the steamboat Natchez and in the Bourbon Orleans Ballroom and the famous Room 644. According to several articles, Room 644 is the most haunted room at the hotel. The reason for this is because there is a rumor that a nun committed suicide there. A rumor that has never been confirmed nor denied by the Sisters of the Holy Family. Many guests and staff have reported hearing blood-curdling screams from the room at night. Some state that it sounds like someone's being tortured in the room because they can hear horrifying cries and screams that echo throughout the hall. Guests who have stayed in this room claim that they have been woken up by a nun who is standing over their bed in the middle of the night. Now let me just tell you, if I ever stay here, I would be way too chicken to sleep in that particular room. I freak out when I get woken up by one of my cats jumping on my bed in the middle of the night. Who knows what I would do if I woke up and there was a nun standing over me. On bourbonorleans.com, they share several ghost stories in detail. This is a snippet taken directly from their website. A Confederate soldier, children and nuns from the former convent and orphanage, and a lonely ghost dancer. All stories that help rank the Bourbon Orleans Hotel among the top 10 most haunted hotels in the U.S., according to USA Today's 10 Best Top 10 Hotels in America. And it's no surprise. A building that's had so many different lives is bound to have so many different stories. Stories of the rooms and corridors of the Bourbon Orleans Hotel being haunted. The ghosts who roam the halls and the rooms of the Bourbon Orleans today lived during many different eras of this building's history. Gather around, 
because we've got some stories for you. First, there is the story of the Confederate soldier, or the man, that surrounds both the sixth and third floors. Then, there is the sightings of a little girl rolling her ball and chasing it down the sixth floor corridor, or light footsteps often heard in the hallways. The ghost children and female apparitions at the Bourbon Orleans Hotel are most likely from the era of the Sisters of the Holy Family when the hotel was a convent, a girls' school, medical ward, and an orphanage. And lastly, the famous Orleans Ballroom, home to the grandest social events of the 19th century, is also home of a lonely ghost dancer seen dancing underneath the ballroom's crystal chandelier. Several reports have been made of the rustling and a person hiding behind the draperies in the ballroom, without a window open or a person actually being there. Hauntedjourneys.com states that the sixth floor of the hotel is very active. There have been sightings of a Civil War Confederate soldier that wanders up and down the hall, not knowing if he is dead or alive. There is a little girl who chases a ball down the hallway and plays several children's games with herself. On NOLA.com, they give this verified explanation as to why the hotel is haunted and who might be residing there in their afterlife. On February 26, 1854, in the Old Orleans Theater, just two days before Mardi Gras, many people came to the theater for a pair of vaudeville performances of La Petite Feld de la Grande Armée, an unservice of Blanchard. During the performance, a loud musket shot rang out. Patrons believed it was some sort of incident of the play itself, but in another moment, a universal cry of alarm rang out. The shot turned out to be the sound of the failure of an iron support attaching the third and topmost gallery to the rafters of the Royal Street side of the building. When the supports broke, the gallery dropped slowly at first, and then another support broke, and there was a sudden crash. It crashed onto the galleries beneath it. Within five minutes, the whole side of the theater was in ruin. It said that six to seven people were killed and more than 40 people were injured. But what caused the building to collapse? It's believed that when the theater was damaged by the fire and restored, costs were cut. Iron columns supporting the second gallery from below were removed. This meant that the iron supports connecting the third gallery to the rafters bore part of the weight for both the upper galleries. A group of architects concluded during a post-collapse inspection that the design wasn't to blame, but rather the iron rods connecting the upper gallery to the rafters were. They pointed out that they were made of very low-quality iron and that when they were installed, workers bent them to make them fit, thus cracking them in the process. Now, I am no iron worker, but that sounds like something that shouldn't happen during construction. And if my theory is wrong, please let me know. John Turpin and James Gallier Jr. were able to redesign and repair the theater in a matter of days. It then reopened on March 10th, just two weeks after the collapse. Following the fire in 1866, any trace of the theater is long gone, except the ghosts that could be found rustling the ballroom's curtains. On ghostcitytours.com, there are several reports of an apparition of a woman dancing under the crystal chandeliers. 
the hem of her gown dusts the floor while she dances with her partner. It's also said that a blood stain will randomly appear on the carpeted floors. It is believed that two wealthy men fell for the same woman and decided to duke it out right in the midst of a party. Although there is no record of if either man died during the duel, blood was still spilled and continues to spill over and over. Staff members will clean it up, knowing that it will reappear again soon. The author of the article on hauntednation.blogspot.com states that there is also a mischievous pirate named Raoul who lives at the hotel. He enjoys scaring guests by turning the sinks on and off, as well as moving guests' items around in their room. On YouTube.com, Amiria Martin shares her personal experience at the Bourbon Orleans in a two-part video. Here are two short clips from part one and two. I will link both of these videos in the show notes so you can watch the entire thing. And midnight is when I just, I conk out and I go to sleep. I decide I'm going to keep on all the lights. I'm going to keep the TV on. And so the TV's on, I go to sleep. And then I wake back up at 1230. And I look and the TV is off. And I'm like, why is the TV off? I turned it on. I see the remote laying next to me. I was like, okay, I rolled over on the remote. Let's turn the TV back on, put the remote on the side, and go to sleep. So I go back to sleep. I wake back up at 1230. The TV is off again. I'm like, what is going on? I look on the remote. There's nothing on there that says it has a timer for that TV. There's no timer to be set on the TV to either turn it on or off. So I'm like, all right turn it back on. This happens up until 3.30 in the morning. Every half an hour, the TV goes off and I wake up. So at 3.30 is the last time I'm like, I'm getting really pissed at this point. So I decide, all right, let's do it again, turn it off and go to sleep. Like seriously, I'm thinking it's me. Like I'm waking myself up every half an hour. I go back to sleep. I wake up again at four o'clock. So when I wake up this time, I'm like, I'm getting really upset. And I look over to the side, and there's a picture on the right of the wall. Sorry. (laughs) I I got the chills. There's a picture on the right of the wall, and it's a picture of Jack's beer. I think it's from, like, the 1920s. Um, Jack's beer is still there, but the picture is from the 1920s. It's a black and white picture, and it has, like, bushes in the front of Jack's beer. And um, there's nobody in the picture. It's just a picture of Jack's beer. I look to, because it's on my right, I look to the right, and I see that there is a little girl, oh my god, don't, sorry, (laughs) there's a little girl in the picture, and she's not looking at me, she's looking like sideways straight, she's looking at the bush, like the bush is here, she's looking at the bush, and she has blonde, long blonde hair, and um, she's wearing like a nightgown, like a white nightgown, I decide I'm not gonna freak out, I'm tired, like I'm jet lagged, I am beat. I was like, you need to get sleep. Don't freak out right now. Turn the TV back on. Go to sleep. She continues to do this to me for every half an hour up until 7 a.m. And here is a short clip from part two. Soon as I walked into the room, not even on the stairs, not even outside of the ballroom, but when I walked to that room, I immediately felt it. And I was like, okay, this is, this is gonna be, yeah, okay, let's do it. 
gave his, his his talk, he actually told us the story about the ghost in the room and um, how she was, um, I think she was Creole. Uh, and, you know, she was kind of caught in some type of arrangement with a married man. Um, that's something that they did a lot uh, back in the day. You, you had your wife and then you had kind of your courtesan, but they didn't call it that in New Orleans. But um, that's what she was kind of meant to be. And, you know, um, she loved the ballroom. They used to have, you know, dances all the time. And that's where she was so alive. She was kind of the queen of the uh, dances in the ballrooms there. And uh, she was very popular with um, the gentlemen. She was very beautiful. So um, when she passed away, she just ended up staying in the ballroom. That's where she was happiest. But she's not very happy there. Um, they say, you know, she, she gets sad. She cries. Sometimes she gets angry. Um, but you can see what's interesting is that he said, if you take a picture of this chandelier that's in the middle of the ballroom, sometimes you'll take a picture of it and it'll be, you know, as white as snow while you're looking at it. But in the picture, once it develops, it looks like blood red. As he's talking, he says, sometimes you'll see her, um, she may, you know, be either in a corner or you may see her walking through the ballroom, um. Or she, she just, you know, she may be next to you. She wasn't next to me, but I did see her very, very clearly in the corner of, oh my God, I'm shaking. Sorry, my leg's shaking. In the corner of the ballroom, um, I was at the exit door. And so she was like on the right, the top right corner over there. And she did look very sad. And I just felt so bad for her. Um, and I wanted to leave. Like, l luckily, Etienne was wrapping up. So I was one of the first people out the door. Um, but I could feel it. I just felt heavy and I felt how sad she was. And she looked very sad. She's kind of up against the wall. Um, she had a dress. I couldn't really see. It was, it was dark and she's a ghost. Here is a clip from the Tri-City Ghost Hunter Society YouTube channel and their experience at the Bourbon Orleans Hotel. So I'm up here by the Orleans Ballroom and the restrooms um, up on the third floor of the Bourbon Orleans Hotel and I just heard what sounded like a little girl scream and there's nobody from this entire hallway here and um, there's nobody in the ballroom, nobody in the bathrooms and nobody in the upper part of the lobby here and I just heard what sounded like a little girl scream, like a frightened scream, and unfortunately at that moment I didn't have my camera turned on, so I'm pretty disappointed about it, but just wanted to let everyone know that I think I had an experience here. And last but not least, I shared a sneak peek of tonight's episode on Twitter, and one of the hosts of the Bricked Pit podcast shared this. My buddy and I got there early, heard stories of ghosts in the ballroom particularly kids. My friend's wife came that evening. The next morning, she said she couldn't sleep because of the noisy kids. My friend went to check when she complained. Empty. So let me ask you this before we leave. Would you be willing to travel to New Orleans and stay in this hotel and experience all these crazy things? Or are you just like, yeah, no, that's for somebody else? Now me, personally... In my mind, I would love to go stay at a hotel like this, but
but I can guarantee you the moment I get there and the first creepy thing happens, I am out. And that concludes tonight's episode. Again, excuse my congested sound. I am trying to get over a cold, but I really hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Before you go, please take a moment to listen to this promo from my friends at Curly Conspiracies Podcast. So just to add on to all of this, let's throw in some gargoyles to continue on with the theme. (laughs) In the past, gargoyles were supposed to ward off evil spirits. What evil spirits are at an airport? Blucifer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably why they had to have the gargoyles to save them from Blucifer coming after them. Because... Yeah, that looks like an evil spirit. Like, totally. Hi, guys. I'm Holly from Curly Conspiracies. I hope you liked the clip from our Denver airport episode. If you want to find out more about this conspiracy, go to curlyconspiracies.com, or you can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Now, back to what you all came for. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.